Hello, I'm Taylor. I'm Ryan. And this is Unbetween. Welcome to episode five of the Unbetween podcast. If you are a returning listener, we're glad you're here. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for the time that you've given us. It really does mean the world to us. If you happen to be a new listener, we're glad you're here too. I would ask you to do a couple things before jumping into this episode, though. There's two episodes that I think would be beneficial to to listen to first. The first of those being our intro episode where we talk about our motivations behind starting in between and really the types of discussions that we're looking to have. The second episode I would suggest listening to is episode four, and it is the first of a three-part series that we're in right now on what tends to happen when, when believers come to a point where they realize something they've been told doesn't jive with what they're reading in the Bible, or maybe something that culture has dictated um, doesn't jive with what they've been taught or what they're reading in the Bible. And, and oftentimes, those people, those believers, tend to either you know, entrench um, and, and hold fast to whatever it is they've been told, or they may uh, you know, deconstruct, which is what we're talking about today, um, or they may disengage from their faith altogether, which we're going to be exploring more next week. So uh, I think it would be beneficial to pause right now, listen to those two episodes at least, and then uh, come back to this one. So we'd appreciate you doing that. Um, again, we're glad you're here. And with that, we're just going to go on and jump in. All right, so we're doing our our three episodes here. So last week we talked about entrenchment and yeah. what that looks like and and some of our experiences um, and just kind of, I don't know, I think I started the episode probably rambling a little bit about some stuff that I just had on my mind um, with how we get to this point. And really to, to sum it up, if for some reason someone hasn't listened to this one, I think they probably need to go back and listen to it because it'll make more sense, the, the last episode. But really what we talked about is, is a lot of times we come to a point in our, in our walk you know, or in our faith where we maybe see something new or hear something or find something out or are told something that doesn't jive with what we've um, known or been told. Mm-hmm. And it can be very easy to go down a few different paths um, and either entrench and kind of hold on to what we've been told and not want to explore anything else. Um, the other options being to deconstruct and start breaking it down um, to try and figure out what that means. And then the other, the, the third option being to disengage. And so this episode, we really want to focus on um, deconstructing and what that looks like. Yeah. Um, I believe that's right. That's where we're focusing this yes. week. <laughs> okay. Yes. Exactly. Make sure I don't mess that up here. Um, no, you got it. But yeah, I mean, and, and so I don't know. I've, I've uh, had something kind of neat the other day um, talking to a guy who's a youth pastor of a mega church here locally. and. Um, I've gotten to, to talk with him a few times and, and hear from him. And he uh, kind of just brought up COVID and what's going on and asked him how that was impacting what he does and changing things. And he said, you know, it's actually been awesome. Hmm. I'm like, wait, hold, hold on. Talk to me. What, what are you saying here? He's like, yeah, I mean, normally my job I'm with kids all the time, which is great. I love it. That's why I do what I do. But this is giving me time to step back and um, to really spend time uh, with parents and helping to give them the tools they need to develop their kids and to teach their kids hmm. um, and allow me to pour into them so that they can 
can do the discipling to their children. I was like, that, yeah, it, that was my thought. Like, huh. that is interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of one of those, that, that's probably what should have been done, you know, all along in some regards or to an extent. And it takes yeah. a, a pandemic for us to, to refocus what, what church is and what things look like. But um, it kind of brought me back to that point of what we were talking about with kind of where things are at and how they happen. And, um, you know, I think if things are happening the way they should, not that I'm the one that should decide what that looks like, but if they are happening the way they should within our faith, being discipled um, by Christian parents, friends, you know, leaders, then I don't think you have as much of the the issue with kind of disengaging or entrenching or, or deconstructing, because I, I think there's also a misconception that I've had that deconstructing is a bad thing, and, and that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Um, something that I wanted to, something that I wanted to mention as a part of this conversation is basically what you just put into words, which is what exactly is being deconstructed. And mm-hmm. there are kind of two, there are two different kinds that I have seen, and sometimes they can be happening simultaneously. But there's the deconstruction of your Christian faith, in which you're really questioning the basic core principles of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, the authority of the scriptures the historicity of Jesus, um, the relevance of the teachings of Jesus, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Then the second kind is the deconstruction of your religion, which is like the, whether it's your denomination or your particular church congregation that you belong to, your theology, it's, it's the way in, it's the structure in which your faith is expressed. Do you an evangelical or like a mainline denomination or 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 whatever it happens to be that that's what you're questioning that it's not so Mm -hmm. much about is god real or do i believe the bible but it's more about how we're doing church or how we're doing christianity um and i think and i've seen a lot of both of those things yeah and and i feel like i've even also seen um and this may be a separate discussion, but seeing things that maybe even fall outside the realm of those, like it's not completely, ah, now they probably fall in somewhere, but it's not completely religion or, the, or their faith or what they think about God, but it's just like there's this one little thing they found out, um, or that they have a friend who mentioned to them, or, or something there that doesn't jive, and so really it's, it's not about figuring out what that is to them, but their whole goal of it is to just make that okay. Mm. Um do you have an example? I don't know if that makes sense, but I yeah, mean, it I, does. My, my question around it is even just like, I feel like a lot of times people are going into that deconstruction, not necessarily trying to find um, who God really is as their goal, but find a way to justify something in their life. Hmm. Um, do I have an example? I mean, there's a few that pop into my head. I'm trying to think of which one's the best to, to go with. Um, uh, the, the, here recently, uh, and I think we mentioned on the second episode with, um, with Jay, but the Hawk Nelson lead singer, you know, he, he's, and he's been interviewed and kind of talked through his story and, and really kind of what happened was he was close to some, some people who, um, who, who were gay, who, who didn't have a problem with that. And, um, he kind of realized he was excited for them when they got some of the rights that, mm-hmm. that he had, you know, yeah. and, and, and so he began struggling with, with that. And, that struggle kind of took him to, okay, well, I don't know if I believe in, in God the way I always have. Um, 
And so it kind of seems like the whole goal of even having this deconstruction was just to make that okay. Yeah. And that happens, in my experience, a couple of different ways. You come up against a point of doctrine that you've been taught or a point of theology that is in conflict either with the culture around you, with the world around you, or even with your own thoughts and feelings, and you have to make a decision, well, is this, is this just something I was taught? Is this the truth with a capital T? How do I react to that? And that's a good thing, I think, mm-hmm. to go through that process about things and to have to kind of sift through, uh, through that stuff. Yeah, well, and, and there's a number of things, you know, and I mentioned earlier, I've kind of always had kind of a, a weird connotation with the deconstruction thing, but when I think about it, though I've never used the term, I think that's probably more recently been used than than before. I mean, I, I don't really recall that term being thrown around a lot, except for like within the past five years, maybe. Um, and maybe that's just because of the circles I've been in or not listening to stuff about it, but... um. You know, I, but when I look back, I mean, my faith and my walk with God has changed tremendously over the past, um, you know, I'm 32, over the past many years. Yeah. Um, it, it's gone through different levels and different stages, and I've seen things that I've been told either, you know, because of a denomination I was in or because of a circle that the more I read the Bible, it was like, you know— that's that's not in here. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not even no. Well, it's loosely here. No, that's that's not in here. Or if it is, it's not what you're saying it is. Um, right. I'm not talking about like the example we gave. I'm just saying there are things that have come up, and um, because of that, like, yes, my faith has has changed, or the way I've looked at the Bible, um, my theology per se. I guess you know the the way I viewed all of that has changed the more I, I study the Bible. Um, yeah. And I think that's what what that's really what got has to happen during deconstruction is you're pouring time into the word and and really trying to question god about whatever it is you're struggling with you know um i was thinking about this conversation a day or two ago and one of the things that i wanted to mention that speaks to what you're talking about is something i read i guess it was a year or two ago uh michael gunger who is a mm-hmm. uh, musician um, I don't know if he would call himself a Christian musician now, but anyway, he, he is an example of somebody who, to a large degree, has deconstructed from where he was when kind of most people would have encountered him in the public sphere to now. He's, he's, he's come a long way from, from where he was in, in various ways by way of deconstruction. And he posted this question on Twitter that was, um, what was it? He wanted people to respond to it, and he said, what was it that cured you of biblical idolatry? Because his thing is very much a, uh, he takes a very, I don't want to use the word critical, because that, that sounds very negative, but uh, he, he's one of these people that is more skeptical towards Scripture now, and sees much more of the human hand in it than mm-hmm. God's hand in it, which I which is understandable because both are there and both are at work. Yeah. But uh, there's another guy named Evan Wickham, who is brother to Phil Wickham, who pro- people have probably heard of. But his response to that question of what cured you of biblical idolatry, he said, biblical literacy. 
actually reading the dang thing <laughs> yeah, and seeing what was in there and having to make sense of what was in there. And he said, the more I learned about what this book actually says and the way it actually works and the way it was actually written, I lost a lot of my bad ideas about it and a lot of these things that tripped me up and caused me problems. Yeah. And it, for me, it was like, well, there's, there's a novel reply. <laughs> Well, it just it it further proves that there are other people out there who are landing on that same point that you just made. Yeah, well, and and, and man, how many times have we kind of come to that point of of the way we use scripture? Um, mm. And I, I get a lot of emails and like stuff. I'm sure I signed up for at some point, and um, <laughs> most of it's like I, I don't know. Like at one point, my wife and I were like, "Yeah, we're gonna get this this marriage prayer of the day thing." And I asked her not too long ago, like, hey, do you read those all the time? And she's like, no, I, I think I unsubscribed and mine go to a folder and I don't read them. There's like a thousand of them in there. Um, <laughs> the concept's great. It gives you like yeah. a verse and a way to tra- uh, pray for your spouse. But and there's a number of those things. Been, and so a lot of them I don't read, but I got one last week and it was titled That Verse Before All Things. And so, and I look at it and this isn't necessarily with deconstruction, but just since this keeps coming up, but it, it mentioned, um, the Philippians 4.13, and we'd love to live that life, you know, that, hey, we're whatever, whatever, uh, we, we can do anything we put our minds to because God's with us, and that's how we kind of use it and read it. And he's like, but hey, what, what about the verse before that that says, you know, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether be, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. And then Oops. it says, <laughs> after that, you know, um, is where we get to doing all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not that I can, you know, win some race or be great, but that no matter what God puts me through, I'm going to be okay. You know? Um, And sorry, that's a little bit of an aside, but like, I think we keep coming to that. We're using, we're using scripture to make whatever we want to be the case, the case most of the time. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, it's making an idol of, um, maybe making an idol of the Bible if you're going to use it to make yourself better. But well, if, and let's, if you define an idol, it's an image that represents something else poorly or imperfectly. Right. Is, is, Mm -hmm. it's not, um, like in the ancient near East, they, they would do the idol is a representation of the God. And in a lot of ancient religions, they would have this ceremony called the opening of the mouth ceremony, where they would do all this stuff, and this is the moment that the idol is indwelled by the spirit of the god or what have you. Mm. And, but it's still only like an echo or a picture or a representation of the reality of the real thing, and it doesn't quite capture it. And I feel like um, that biblical idolatry that Michael Gunger rightfully pointed out exists is some of the stuff that we've been talking about, that I think it's this book of pithy spiritual sayings that if I memorize and follow is going to give me a good and happy life. It's the book that tells you what to do to go to the good place when you die. Yeah, well, you know? and, and I mean, a good way to think about this, the way it's been put to me before, is the Bible you read looking for yourself versus the Bible you read looking for God is very different. Um, you know, and, and basically the way it was put to me, and again, I mentioned the class, there's going to be an episode I don't mention the class I've been helping with for the past few years. <laughs> we'll but, see. But when, we'll I, see. when I took it, I mean, basically what they said is after this class, you're, you know, you're going to have a new Bible. 
I remember just being like, whoa, mm. hold up. The one I've got's good. And they're like, nope. What I mean by this is you're not going to read it the same. Yeah. And then that first, that first week when they make the comment, you know, that we're, we're most of the time looking for ourselves when we read the Bible, it's like, okay, yep, fair enough. Yeah. Um, if Man, we're going to read the Bible looking for God, that's, that's different. I mentioned uh, an episode or two ago that um, when I was younger, like my attention span for reading the Bible was so short. I couldn't even remember two verses before because I was looking for that one thing that I was supposed to hear for that day. You know, I just open it up randomly and just try to find something and expect that that was how it was going to work because that's how I thought it was supposed to work. I'm not saying somebody ever sat me down and told me that's how it was, but for whatever reason or reasons, that's the idea that I had. I had an experience this week in which I sat down and I read Ephesians, which I mean, it's what, five? six chapters mm-hmm. and you, you can do it in 20 30 minutes and i had this really kind of crystallizing moment where i read it and i was reading it like it is it's a letter with mm-hmm. a format with uh, ideas that are developed and referred back to and i was aware of this experience while i was reading it that now having had some training and exposure to no this this thing is an overarching story and this was written, or the scripture in general is an overarching story, and that even the smaller books or the letters, they have form that you have to pay attention to, and that the authors are trying to do something, and that Paul particularly was a really good writer Mm -hmm. and knew what he was doing, and I actually had that experience where it was much more like, oh, I'm not looking for a quote to inspire me to go do X, Y, or Z. I'm interacting with this thing as it was meant to be interacted with. It, it was great to get to experience that and to notice, oh, there's a difference between the person I am now and the person I used to be when I interact with this thing. Yeah, and, and I think that's something that, you know, I, I wish that was focused on more in churches and in um, communities is, you know, really trying to read the Bible differently, you know, um, we're, we're in this kind of instant gratification culture where we want the quick, we want the easy. Um, we sit down and and do our 10 minute reading for the day and we feel good about that. And that's not giving you what you need. And, and I, I don't, I don't say that, you know, that sounds callous to say, and I, I don't know that I can say I'm in the word 10 minutes every day. Like, you know, so I, I don't mean that like, critical i mean i do but it's critical of myself as well like we should be in the bible more and and truly understanding what it is so that's just as much a criticism on myself i guess is the way to say that but um i i guess one of my questions as we look at deconstruction is you know in what ways um the church is quick to call out young people leaving the faith but in what ways is the church really responsible for maybe for some of this yeah, um, because a lot of what I see and a lot of who I see deconstructing on my, you know, social media feeds or whatever, or when when I'm looking around, are people who were in the church, um, yeah. and and you would have considered a a strong believer or a growing believer, and then either because of something they they couldn't um, come to terms with or something else, you know, that they go down this path, and. You know, I, th- I think there's multiple things. I think kind of my, my point earlier with the youth pastor and what he said, I think that's part of the problem. I think, you know, um, it's easy for parents to, to, to have your kids involved in church and think that's doing it, but that's not the case, right? That 
that true discipleship's got to take place um, at home as well and, and in, in communities more so than just dropping them off for an hour on Sunday and Wednesday. But, um, I mean, I, I've got to think there's also more the church could do, be it to equip the parents or whatnot. Um, I think potentially we could do more by doing less. Yeah, I, I think I hear what you're saying. I mean, not trying to have so much planned and going on and events and things like that. Is that your thought or something well, a little different? Let, let me qualify a bit. And, and let me also say that, um, as we've mentioned before, our intent is not for us to be sitting off on the sidelines pointing our fingers at what we think other people are doing wrong. Mm-hmm. When we are expressing what what could be and will be and to some degree is, quote, critical, like we're still a part of local church congregations and not so that we can sit on the back pew with our arms crossed, you know? Right. Like I'm, yeah. however, and we'll, we'll get to this more when we talk about disengaging, but however frustrated I might get with some of these things, the Lord has not released me from serving <laughs> in yeah. the local church body. And so my, identi- my identity has to be rooted in um, is your joy based on your happiness? Is your contentment based on your circumstances? Or will you serve where I tell you to serve, regardless of how messed up you may think it is? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> and that's, yeah. you know, there have been times in my life when that was not my attitude. And I was much more interested in going around starting spiritual fights with people because I felt like I was right. And that just doesn't do anybody any good. It doesn't build people up. It's not constructive. It's not helpful. So I had to get rid of that. However, that said, um, one of the things that I mentioned a minute ago was that one of the things that people deconstruct is this whole Judeo-Christian monolithic industrial complex thing where Christianity is big business in the United States. It's certainly big politics right now, mm-hmm. and there's this whole massive machine and industry that feeds into itself and on itself, and it very readily chews people up and spits them out in the name of numbers and conversions, and it's kind of hard to put into words when you think about how monolithic it is, and I think there are people who are longing for that simplicity that a relationship with God can bring where you, it is in the mundane everyday things that you do. When you do the dishes, when you're spending time with your wife, when you're spending time with your children, when you're doing your schoolwork, when you're at work, when you're raking the lawn, and that there is a simplicity to that kind of faith that takes joy in the everyday mundane things because you see God in them and you see his spirit at work there. And even in the suffering and the hard stuff, because you know he's using it to shape you. And so much of that, in my experience, is not what is being talked about and focused on. It is about the inspirational quote and moment, and it is about behavior control. And it's about, here are the things that you should avoid, and isn't it going to be great when we finally get to heaven and don't have to mess with this stuff? And there's kernels of truth in all those things. but. God comes alive to me in the mundane and the simple <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think 
there is that hunger for authenticity. There is that hunger for being able to talk about the things that truly matter and our pain and our questions and our doubt. And I think that a lot of the time when people are deconstructing, it's because they want those things and they don't find them in Christianity or they don't find them in the church that they're a part of or they don't find them in the music that they hear on Christian radio or in the books they pick up in the Christian bookstores. And hmm. eventually they say, well, if I'm not going to find this here, what is this even about? Yeah, well, and I do. I, I, think, I think you're right. And I think we've made the church somewhere and somewhere just to go for peace. And that's, that's not what, what it is. I mean, yes, you're right. There is some truth to that. But that peace is, is in the middle of chaos, right? I mean, it's in the middle yeah. of tension. And so when, when he talks what about do we peace, do with that? Yeah, when he talks about, when Christ talks about peace passing understanding, he means it because, because there's not because there's an absence of conflict. It's because you're able to center yourself on what really matters despite all this nonsense going on. Referring back to entrenchment, if you have a 30-foot wall built up, well, you actually don't need peace or need joy because you've removed anything from your life that could potentially cause you discomfort, or you've tried to anyway. And so joy and peace are not necessary. Faith is not necessary. And a lot of people, and, and I'm myself one, encounter a situation or situations that require you to have those things to get through them. And if you don't, you have a really hard time. There's more that can be said about this part of the conversation, I think. I think after that, where it goes is the other kind of deconstruction, which is I'm deconstructing my faith because there's something that I don't like about it or there's something that I can't make jive with the way I want to live my life and still believe mm -hmm. this. So we, we've mentioned that point where things don't jive. And that's what sends a lot of people into deconstruction. I think then a lot of times what the next step ends up being is they leave the faith altogether. Mm -hmm. um, because they cannot come to terms with that struggle they have or that um, thing that doesn't jive with what they've been told. And so they, they end up just leaving rather than... I don't think oftentimes a lot of people actually have this deconstruction process where they think through it and take it to people. Uh, maybe because there's not people they feel like they can yeah. take it to. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't feel like I've seen that happen a lot. Um, I don't feel like I've seen these people who have a strong faith, but hey, there's this little thing I'm struggling with, and I'm just trying to reason with it. Um, and, and I think part of that could be because they don't feel grace in those moments, which I think we should have. Um, mm. Again, to go back to our good faith thing, like we, we don't all have everything figured out, and uh, there should be things we struggle with at times. now. Um, that doesn't mean we should stay in that moment. You know, it, I think we should try to explore who God is more and understand who he is. And with whatever that is, that's, that's a conflict in what we've been told, or we should come out somewhere closer to God. And I feel like I said a whole lot to even get to that statement, but, uh, does that, does that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I guess I say all that to say, I mean, how, what does that look like? I mean, we, it's not necessarily a bad thing to deconstruct, but there needs to be community. There needs to be people there to walk beside you. Yeah, uh, I have a quote to read. This is from a guy named Josh Porter, who was in a band called Showbread and is now uh, a pastor and an author. And uh, it, he's pretty awesome. But uh, this was on Twitter forever ago. He was, res he was talking with people about deconstruction, but he said, 
Deconstruction is fine in community and under leadership if it's always and only a precursor to reconstruction in community and under leadership. I thought that was a very wise way of handling hmm. that particular issue. And that um, I think there are a couple of things that, that happen when you, as you said, when you run up against something in your faith that you can't make sense of. And you, and you kind of have a choice about what am I going to do with this? And so you have some people who leave the faith entirely, who just say, I, I, can't, I can't make this make sense. What I have seen, I think, more of recently, at least from folks who are already believers or folks who are already in the church, is what they do is they deconstruct what they had, and then they, build some, they rebuild something in its place, but it's, it's very much a, them building it. It's, I'm, I'm going to tear the house down, and I'm going to rebuild it, but I'm, I'm going to rebuild it in a way that, that best serves me and makes me the most comfortable. Not necessarily what has the best foundation or is the most useful or functional, but it's the one that, it's the place I'm most comfortable living. And so you'll, you'll see people who... Um, and I think we all do this to some degree, but they'll take the bits of Scripture that they like, or they'll take the bits of Jesus' teachings that they like, and they'll glom onto those, and they'll just ignore everything else. Mm-hmm. And they will... I, I should stop saying they, I should say we, because, yeah. And we'll take, well, I really like this Jesus grace thing, so I'm going to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to zero in on that, and then I'm going to go the other few places in the Bible, and I'm really going to be all about this grace thing. I'm going to ignore all the justice <laughs> and all the accountability, yeah. and I'm going to say, oh, well, that's Old Testament, or oh, God's not like that anymore. He was grumpy back then, but he's not now. Or oh, that's just what those authors perceived, and they've, you know, they've twisted his words or whatever. Or it might be something like the reverse of that, and... God is angry, and he's going to zap you, and you better repent, or he's going to get you. What about this grace stuff? Oh, yeah. It's there somewhere, but... Yeah. Uh, And so I feel like I'm seeing a lot of that happening, and I hear a whole lot of, and read a lot of what I call smokescreen arguments. Everybody interprets, everybody... There's no plain reading of Scripture. Everybody just kind of does whatever they want to. And maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe, but I think a lot of the time it's just re- us recreating God in our own image. I see it a lot of that yeah. kind of deconstruction and a lot of constructing a faith of convenience for us in that we want to fit in with our friends or we want to fit in in the culture or we just don't want the kind of conflict and hardship and suffering that comes from following where God is leading us. And so we, we reconstruct a faith we, we construct an idol that looks more like us than it does like God, and we just kind of slap some God-looking bits onto it after the fact. And that, mm. that God doesn't require anything of us, except the just enough of kind of religious guilt that makes us feel like we still have some kind of authenticity in our faith. No, you're, you're exactly right. I think we, we oftentimes do. We create this... This plastic Jesus almost that we can put up on a shelf until we need him and, and use him in the situations we want. Hmm. That's a good way of putting it. This plastic Jesus. 
Yeah, well, and, and that's not me. There, there was a video, a, a group called Igniter Media, uh, years ago, who put out this video. And it, it basically showed this guy kind of going through, walking through and saying one thing, you know, talking about his faith and how strong it is in his marriage. And, and he's saying all this stuff, but then there's the subtitles, you know. <laughs> and so when he's saying, yeah, my faith is strong, it's like, no, it's stumbling. Um, my marriage is great, you know. No, here's what's going on. And then at the end, he says, my Jesus is real. But what it says, it pops up on the subtitle is my Jesus is plastic. Hmm. Um, and, and that's always stuck with me just because I think that's a lot of times what, what we do. We, we have him there for, for when it's convenient, for when it fits what we want. But we're not going to allow it to be, we're not going to allow Jesus to be real enough to change our life. Yeah. Um, to take us to those uncomfortable places to, uh, I mean, kind of to the point that, that I mentioned last week, we're, we're, I think it was last week, um, we're not going to allow anything to mess up the American dream or whatever goals we've set for our lives. Yeah. And that's what following Jesus will do. Uh, I've heard it put this way by people on all diff- from all different kind of theological backgrounds and different places on the, quote, left to right spectrum. I just can't worship a God who fill in the blank. And what that tells me, and I know what that means, but what that means is you're putting yourself in the God space because you're telling God what you are and aren't willing to put up with from him. And that's, we should check ourselves when we find ourselves thinking and saying things like that, I think. I think on the first episode, maybe I mentioned the documentary American Gospel. I mean, maybe I didn't use the, the word, but they've made these two documentaries. The first one's called Christ Alone. The second one's called Christ Crucified. And, and they call out a lot of um, kind of flawed teaching that's in the space um, by different people. And, but the second one, it, it's kind of dealing with um, who God really is. And, and it kept coming up. And, and it's, it's a cool documentary the way they do it because there's people um, that they will call out. The, the people who they're, they're calling, you know, false teachers um, are teaching these wrong theology. They'll, they'll have them on there and they're interviewing them. But then there's also the other side, you know, the people mm-hmm. who have a more sound, what I would consider more sound um, theology and what the documentaries is saying. Um, and it's kind of this back and forth. And in the second one, Christ Crucified, you see this moment where uh, there's a couple of notable um, teachers that, that, you know, they flash to them and, and they basically make the comment, well, yeah, I know, yeah, it says this in scripture, but if that's how, who God is, that's not a God I want to serve. Mm-hmm. That's not a God worthy of my, my praise. Yeah. And it's just like this man, ah, golly, because yeah. you're not comfortable with him. And, and I've heard that, um, even from some people that I really respect and I, I, mm. I get what they're coming from and I get what they're trying to say, but ultimately those things are not up to us. And we right. have to be willing, if we're going to follow Christ, if we're going to follow God, this God described in the scriptures, or whatever God, <laughs> you know, that you, mm-hmm. that you come up with to follow, you are following a being that is transcendent, who is unlike you, who is other, which means there are going to be things in your kind of finite humanness, there are going to be things about this being that you don't like that are uncomfortable, that are challenging, scary maybe, even. And you have to be, you, we have to be willing to live in that tension. Mm-hmm. And we have to be honest about, I mean, 
There's so many examples in the scriptures of people being honest with God about how they feel. I mean, David rants and raves and rails at God, and he's like, where are you? I thought you were going to take care of me and all this. Habakkuk does the same thing. You made us all these promises, but like these people keep invading and stealing our children. What's up with that, man? And uh, it's not that God can't take the honest expression of the human heart, because he can, or he wouldn't have put it in the scriptures for us to read and puzzle over later. I think the thing is, we just have to be careful when we, when we tell God what we will and will not allow from him. I think that's a dangerous mm. spot to be in. Oh, and absolutely. When, when we start giving him ultimatums about, if this is what you're like, I'm out. Eh, that's, I think we need to be careful with those kinds of things. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I mean, I think there's some, I won't say this as eloquently as I should, but I think there's some hope in hearing that people are kind of going through this process. Um, hmm. Again, this is even changing some of my mindset because I've heard for, for whatever reason, the past five years since that deconstruction has been like just brought up constantly to me. I've had this negative connotation and part of it's probably due to some of the things I listen to. Um, but I think there is also a positive side and some stuff you can, can listen to and look at out there that sees, um, shows people coming through it. Um, with a stronger faith. And, and so I think that's an opportunity, again, to your point, in community with leadership to help strengthen someone's faith. Because what scares me, you, you have these cases where people come out and say it. There are a whole lot of people who are A, not saying it, or B, just not, not interested in furthering their walk. Um, yeah. I, I heard some, I say heard, I read in a book years ago, and the statistics, I'm sure, are different now, but I think it said something like 80% of the people in the church do not truly know what it means to believe in God or to truly have a relationship. And, and I'm like, that is a big number. Um, was this and, unchristian? And it was not. Um, okay. No, was I, it, yeah, was I it from it was Barna? The Gideons put it out, so I okay. think, so maybe it like referenced some of that. Um, you, you've, you've seen something similar, I'm guessing? There's a Barna group book called Unchristian that has a lot of that kind of data in there and its implications. Yeah, well, and you mentioned Barna. So uh, again, back to my, the the youth pastor I was talking to um, this past week. I mean, he he mentioned a study just done where I think something like ninety seven percent of Christian parents are comfortable with where their kids are at and what they're getting from the church. Um, and and this youth pastor was shocked about that. He's like, I feel like there should be some, you know, maybe some people a little more concerned with like what their kids getting. Oh um, man, gosh. Okay, uh, this is we're gonna loop back for just a second. <laughs> they have been convinced by very good marketing that the product they're buying is good. Hmm. In that there is an entire industry created that is very good and very efficient and filled, I think, with mostly well-meaning people who honestly want to do the right thing. But what they think that it means is we must do church this way. We must do kids and youth ministry this way. Mm -hmm. This is what it means to be a believer. And some of that may be true, but a lot of it, and I think this is a lot of what people react to and deconstruct from, is just something that some guy made up one day mm -hmm. or something that made sense in one place at one time that may or may not make any sense. There are things that I was interested to learn Things like steeples and pulpits, for example, 
which you would think are just as Christian and church as you can get. Well, those things were imported from other pagan mm-hmm. religions yeah. post-Constantine. Or the, the clergy being up on a stage talking to everybody. Like that, was, that was something that was introduced from somewhere else. But if you, if you try to do it a different way, people would think it's weird because they've just become so accustomed to it. There's a line hmm. from, a, uh, from a Frank Peretti book that has stuck with me, and he said that God was expected to show up, fill his pew, and follow the order of service just like everyone else. And I think that statistic illustrates how comfortable we are with this product that we're buying in yeah. that we, we give to our churches who we trust to hire competent people who we pay to Christianize us. This is a very harsh way to put it. And again, I want to reiterate, I don't think the majority of people, I don't think their hearts are in the wrong place. I think they, a lot of the people I know who work at churches as pastors or teachers or whatever else, the vast majority of them that I've been around, they're there because, they, because God has them there, or they're there mm-hmm. because they feel led, or they're there because they want to follow God, and this is how they think they're supposed to do it. I, I'm not, I wouldn't want to speak against any of that. But that doesn't mean that our methods and all of this other stuff that we have attached to how we live out our faith has any basis in the scriptures or is what we should be doing and spending our time and money on. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that it isn't either. It's just that we're not having the conversation. That, that statistic, yeah. that 97% tells me that people are not thinking about what we're doing and asking, Absolutely. is this how we should be doing it? Yeah, and, and I think that's part of what breeds... Um reads these things deconstruction or, or disengage or, or whatever it is i think you do you get in a place you're comfortable I, I was i was there for years you know and and again nothing bad but I, I think god was telling me i wasn't where i needed to be even though um it's a great place for for many people you know and, and there's a lot of people but I, god had told me i didn't need to be there and i needed to follow him you know elsewhere and, and I, I was so stuck and comfortable that i didn't even listen um yeah and and when I finally did, a lot of the things that I'd been struggling with went away. Um, hmm. You know, not not because necessarily even even leaving where I was, but but when I followed God, a lot of the anxiety and the struggle I was feeling left. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I've even heard cool things about where I was in church that, um, honestly, had I been there, I. I probably wouldn't, might not have cared about because I'd have been yeah. so frustrated. But, yeah. but there's cool things going on there, but I know I'm where I'm supposed to be now. And, and I think that's part of it. You know, I don't know if we talked about this even bef- kind of before we started this episode, or, but people, people learn differently. Um, there's things they're going to pick up on. And um, I think what's important is to make sure you're somewhere where the, the Bible, um, the Word of God, is being taught to show who God is. Mm-hmm. Um, to our point earlier, you know, and, and that's, yeah, you know, and my pastor does a great job of that. He, he preaches through the Bible. He's not just cherry picking kind of what he wants to preach on to fit a topic. But I think a lot of you see a lot of that in places because that also helps with comfort. That helps to fill pews. Yeah. That helps to um, grow the church in, in different ways. And 
I don't think you're going to find anyone who's comfortable with the term the church is a business. You know, I don't think anyone likes that thought process, but in many ways, <laughs> that's, th- th- there is an aspect of it there. Yeah. At least the way we've made it. Not the mm-hmm. universal church, but the way we've made the organization, that's happened. Um, again, I think that's got to be kind of cause for, for some of some people's discomfort in, in deconstruction. Yes, because when it can really do your head in to have the kind of thoughts like what is preached from the pulpit is going to be affected by people's reaction to it, which in turn comes down to the bottom line of if I preach this, this might affect giving. Hmm. If we don't have this kind of program, we won't attract people which means they won't give, which means we won't have a church. That's a real thing. I've heard yeah. people verbalize things like that. And again, I, I think a lot of folks, both who are in vocational ministry and congregations, they find themselves caught in that feedback loop. And it never occurs that it could be any different because nobody has ever told them that it could or should be. We, we both talked about that 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 questioning and that stepping back and saying, hmm, is what we're doing good here is often very unwelcome. Mm-hmm. Or, or if it's not unwelcome, people are just so unused to that, they don't know what to do with it. And, uh, mm. you know, very, if you hit yourself against those walls very long, there, there are a lot of folks who will just, as you said, they'll just say, well, I, I'm tired of this. I, I don't belong here. Nobody is, nobody cares about the things that I, that I care about. I'm done here. I'm done with this. Yeah. And I get that. Yeah, and, and I think there's a number of people who who have a faith but aren't in a church for reasons like that. We're getting it we're getting into disengaged territory now. We are. <laughs> that's what I was about to say. That's that's uh a little different, but um but that's what it can lead to. And I and I think I think that's important to and I think I maybe mentioned this last time that there's a, a kind of a tie together with some of these but also like fork in the road there's very easily a point where you're presented with okay what do i do here yeah am i going to um and be one of these what 80 percent who sit in the pew and really don't know what i'm doing here um am i going to you know dig in and, and stick my foot in the ground with what i you know believed and hold my opinion so tight that um even if the Bible says differently, you know, my opinion ain't coming out of my, my dull, dead cold hands or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, or do I just walk away? Um, and I think there's probably a very distinct moment where all three of those are on the table for people. I think as brothers and sisters who are called to bear one another's burdens and to bear with one another in love, we have to help each other through that stuff. Mm-hmm. It has, it has to be okay to not have it all figured out. It it has to be okay to have really big questions, e- yeah. even like deconstructing your actual faith kind of questions. And we need to have patience with each other, and we need to know that no amount of hitting you over the head is going to convince you of something you're having trouble with. Yeah, uh, you know, we when we were talking about entrenchment in the last episode, 
we talked about the fact that if you are truly pursuing truth with a capital T in good faith, God responds to that. He's not going to give it to you all at once, but that's where he's leading you because he's leading you to himself. He's not going to just leave you dangling out in the wilderness on your own with no help. That's not what he does. Unless he's no. trying to teach you something. But even then, you're not alone. Uh, knowing that, we don't have to be afraid when somebody is having that kind of a moment. We can be there with them. We can sit in the tension with them with confidence that the author and finisher of our faith has, will continue that good work and will bring that person through that and that we get to be a part of it. Mm. And I had people in my life who did that for me, which, is, which motivates me then even when, when somebody just says something totally crazy, <laughs> uh, it, it helps me to, to respond in grace and patience, knowing that uh, how I respond may either help or hinder this person getting closer to the truth with a big T. And I'd rather yeah. be a help than a hindrance. I think that's what we should be. I think you have to have community to, to be there for people. Um, yeah, and having the hard questions, and, and I mean... Is it in Mark, you know, where um, a man asked Jesus, yes, I believe, help me with my unbelief? I mean, I think yeah. sometimes that's our prayer. Mm. Like, yeah, I, I believe, but there's things I'm struggling with, you know? Yeah. And, and we've all even got them, you know, not that we, um, some things may be a little more um, in, impactful on the person's faith than other, but I think we all probably have things that we haven't quite figured out. Um I can think of several right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've got a ton of them. And, I, and there's this line where a lot of people are quick to say, oh, well, you know, you don't need to waste your time worrying with that. You know, that you may never know. And, and maybe, but I, I do think there are things that God wants us to seek. He wants us to, um, and I don't think that. I know there are things God wants <laughs> us to seek because when we do, we draw closer to him. Yeah. And we learn more about who he is. And there's a lot of things I could have said, yeah, I'll probably never know that until I'm in heaven, but or with God and can ask him. But you know what? God's revealed those things by mm -hmm. me spending some time with him and spending some time in the word. It's, it's not as hidden as I thought. Yeah. It's just, of course, it's not going to come to me if I'm not really studying my Bible. And I will say this too. There has not so far, other than the things that I'm like right in the middle of right now, there has not been a question that I've had that, there has, that I've not found an answer to that was good and consistent and rooted in the scriptures. In the sense yeah. that uh, the, those, that's where a lot of my questions lie, things about um, the scriptures and how we got them and how they work and how they should be interpreted. That, that's that's kind of where my brain gets tripped up on this or that issue. But the more I learn, it's, it's like Evan Wickham was saying, the more literate I become, the less of an idol it is, the more I understand it, and the more questions I get answered. And hmm. that's, that's been a process that's been ongoing long enough that the things that I'm having trouble with right now, I have confidence that the more I learn, the more, hopefully, wisdom that I gain through the working of God in my life, the more I will understand what I need to understand. And the things that I still can't make sense of, then I can say, okay, I'll turn these over to God and hope that he'll reveal them to me when I need to know them. Because um, there's an awful lot of times in the scriptures where God says, you don't need to know that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
I think that's a major point of deconstruction for people is a lack of good answers to their to real questions because there's the kind of uh, I don't know arrogance of youth or <laughs> kind of a, a, a selfish desire to know things because we want to have figure it all out but then there's the honest nuts and bolts god help me understand what you're doing habakkuk mm-hmm. is a good example of this and that he's the prophet who is supposed to have it all together and speak for god and he comes to god and he says help me understand what you're doing because i know your promises and i look around at the world and there's so much about it that doesn't line up help me yeah well there's a there's a big difference in that mindset versus like the desire to be God that, uh, you know, yes. that Adam and Eve struggle with in the garden. Like that one, I want to know more about you. It's an I want to be you kind of. Yes. Um, and I feel like we're very dismissive a lot of the times of people really with either of those things. And we don't, we don't respond appropriately or uh, for whatever reason. Um, but there, there are a lot of questions I had that I just didn't find good answers for. Hmm. Um, or, and, or there were other people I knew who had questions and they didn't get good answers for. And they were sort of either pat on the head or kind of cold shouldered or it just, it just became apparent that the other folks either didn't have the answers or they weren't interested in finding them. And that after a while, if people continue to not get answers to their questions, they'll go looking elsewhere. This is something I wanted to talk about in that um, I've had conversations with people in the last year or so and they had what I would say were real questions and real struggles with trying to make sense of their, of their faith and issues in the world and how the church responds to things, especially like what we would call political issues that are, um, at least in America, very, very much talked about right now. Yeah. And um, they, having not found were, what they thought, having not found good answers in the church, or in, quote, orthodoxy, or in the scriptures, or what have you, they went looking elsewhere. And man, let me tell you, there are all kinds of very fine-sounding, itching-ear teachers out there who will make very compelling, coherent, reasonable arguments for this, that, or the other that have nothing to do with scripture. And 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 I'm talking about people of faith, or at least who claim to be people of faith. And kind of where I've landed is the answers to those questions are in Scripture. We just have to do the work. We, as a people, as the people of God, we have to, we can't be that 97% satisfied thing. It always has to be a quest and a search for the depth that God has hidden in the Scriptures and in His creation and in all of us and how we're supposed to relate to each other. And to sum up something we said on a different episode, there's no Instagram way to do that. There's no right. substitute for the shaping process and the learning process, and there's no way to fast-track discipleship. And we ignore that to our peril. And when those moments come, when people are having those questions and those troubles, we don't have anything to offer them. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of times I think we shut down on them. Or, or I mean, to your point earlier, I mean, we, we discount them. And so they're not getting, question, they're not getting answers from us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then I also think, you know, man, discipleship is such a big part of it. I, I just see countless times where you've even gotten people trying to disciple others and they've never truly been discipled. Um, yeah. 
And so a lot of the questions, had they been discipled, that maybe they'd been equipped to answer, um, they're not. And so, I, you know, you've got kind of one blind person leading another is, is what it seems like in some regard. Yeah, and I, I think of that oft misquoted piece of scripture. Always, be, always have an answer for the hope that you have. Be ready in season and out of season. And mm-hmm. most of the time that gets quoted in relation to you should be able to defend your faith to atheists or something. And that's, it's mm-hmm. not that it doesn't mean that. But your life should be the answer for the hope that you have. It should, be, it should be overflowing out of you. It should be obvious. You should be articulate about it. And this is something I was thinking about earlier when you were talking about the way that we interact with the Scriptures. God should capture our imagination. The Scriptures should capture our imagination. And the way that we teach it and the way that we read it and talk about it, a lot of times just it's very clear that it, it has not and He has not done those things or we haven't allowed Him to. And my faith really came alive when the scriptures captured my imagination, when I could see the beauty, when I could see, uh, when I could see God for who he was, I guess, and what, what it was that he wanted from me and how he wanted to relate to me or me to relate to him, I guess would be a better way to put it. And that's what I want to help other people do through, through whatever it is I'm doing or working on or uh, I, I want I want to be the means by which people can get to that spot because that's what set me free was n- knowing at least in some small way, however I can as a human, some small piece of what God is like because that'll change you and that'll that'll mess you up <laughs> oh, in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, I mean, the, the first part of that's just understanding who we really are. Um, yeah. It's very easy to feel good about ourselves um, and, and to miss how truly, you know, sinful, bad we are, you know. Um, and, and if we don't truly understand our sin and what that gets us, you know, the prize behind door number, whatever for that, then we don't truly understand how great what Christ has done is. And how great, not just the cross, but the whole story that's in front of us. Um, yeah. There's a thread throughout the, all of Scripture that we often ignore because of the way we segment it and read it. And um, if you really look into it and how it's written and what it is, and it, it is, it's incredible. Um, okay, so this is Psalm 1, 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. A couple of things. When's the last time we delighted in the Bible? <laughs> mm. uh, that's not... Because frankly, the way we read it, there's, there's not much to delight in. It's just, what's my inspirational thing for the day, or what's the religious checklist that I'm supposed to follow today so that God's not mad at me? There's nothing to delight in in any of that stuff. Uh, law in Hebrew is Torah, and its most basic meaning is not law like law code, but teaching or instruction. So his delight is in the teaching, the truth, the wisdom of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Well, does that mean you're reading your Bible all day, every day? No, that's not what it means, necessarily. 
The word meditate is uh, hagah, I believe. And elsewhere, it's used of what animals do when they're eating. It's like the little... It's like a chewing sound. How'd that go? Can you do that uh, again? Yeah, I'm have to have you <laughs> reproduce it. Um, it's like if you've ever seen a dog like crouched over a bone gnawing on it. It's that. Mm-hmm. In that. It's, it's trying to get everything out of it. Yes. And you just, yeah. you go over and over and over it and you get every last bit of nutrients out of it. And you, are, you jealously guard it until you consume all that there is of it. Mm. And that, and if we do that in verse three, we will be like trees firmly planted by rivers of water, which yield fruit in season and don't wither and whatever we do prospers. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you become a Bible scholar. That doesn't necessarily mean that you spend eight hours a day reading the thing. It means you chew on it. Mm-hmm. And we know what that means. We know what it means to chew on something. It, <laughs> yeah. It captures your imagination. It captures your delight. And when that happens, when you truly delight in who God is, then when those questions come, ultimately you are secure because you're not afraid of where your questions are going to take you. And if we can help people get to that, then we can help them through their, their deconstructing. Because what they'll be deconstructing is their idols. What they'll be deconstructing is their false sense of self, their false identity. Mm-hmm. And God, we can get all of our crap out of the way so that we can see God for who he truly is. And we can see ourselves for who we truly are and who he wants us to be. And if that's where we're landing, then we don't have to be afraid of deconstructing. Because... All we're getting rid of is the stuff that we didn't need anyway. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. As always, thank you for listening. Hopefully, these conversations have been beneficial in some way. Maybe it's just even helping you to to think about different things um, that maybe you haven't thought much about. So for, for Taylor and I, I know often we get together and have these conversations. And if anything, we at least see things with a new perspective or in a new light. So... Hopefully that's the case for you. Taylor did mention last week the possibility of a recap episode at the end of this series. We do want to do that. So if there is anything you've heard as we've talked about entrenchment or deconstruction or as we talk about disengagement next week, if something's hit close to home because of an experience you've gone through, please share that with us and and maybe even share what's been, uh, what was helpful in that experience or maybe what wasn't. And, And maybe it's not you. Maybe it's someone you witnessed go through a time and they were either strengthened in their faith or pushed away because of how things were handled so feel free to share that at unbetweenpodcast at gmail.com you can send us just you know that typed out or, or even audio or video if that's easier for you feel free to do that so other than that please continue to share this with the people around you so that you can have the conversations a little more naturally as well and then uh, you know if you haven't subscribed please do so and leave us a review so that others can see what we're trying to do all right well that's all i've got thank you and we'll talk to you next time